0: This is Guns and Butter.
1: There's
2: so once these anthrax uh, attacks occurred, all of a sudden the uh, Patriot Act uh, goes through Congress. And uh, then when the renewal of the Patriot Act came up uh, last year... Uh, again, it was being held up, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, some white powder uh, appears at one of the uh, Senate office buildings. There's an anthrax scare, and the next day, the USA Patriot Act uh, is, is renewed.
0: I'm Bonnie Faulkner. Today on Guns and Butter, Dr. Francis Boyle. Today's show, Bio-Warfare and the Emergence of Police State America. Francis Boyle is a leading American expert in international law. He was responsible for drafting the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989, the American implementing legislation for the 1972 Biological Weapons Convention. Professor Boyle teaches international law at the University of Illinois, Champaign. He is author of Destroying World Order, U.S. Imperialism in the Middle East, before and after September 11th, and Bio-Warfare and Terrorism, among many other books. On October 7th, 2002, Dr. Boyle launched a national campaign to impeach Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, and Ashcroft for high crimes and misdemeanors. Francis Boyle, welcome.
2: Well, thank you for having me on and my best regards to your listening
0: audience. I'd like to begin with your book, Biowarfare and Terrorism. When did research into biowarfare begin? Was that during World War II?
2: Well, yes, we started researching uh, these issues in World War II, although, in fact, uh, back in uh, World War I, uh, as a result of World War I, there was the Geneva Protocol of 1925, primarily intended to deal with chemical weapons, but there was added into it a prohibition on the use of uh, what was then called bacteriological weapons. So this has been a prohibition in international law since 1925.
0: Now, could you tell us what the Biological Weapons Convention is? Is that what was passed under Nixon in 1972?
2: That is correct. Basically, uh, Nixon and Kissinger concluded that the United States had a monopoly on weapons of mass destruction, and therefore it would be in the interests of the United States militarily to deny anyone else in the third world biological weapons, the uh, poor man's uh, atom bomb, such as it were. So for that reason, they supported a British proposal to conclude a uh, biological weapons convention that was pretty much intended to shut down uh, research, development, testing, let alone use of uh, biological uh, weapons. Again, the prohibition on use was already there in 1925, so technically that was not included in the 1972 convention. The U.S. government did become a party. We had a massive program on the uh, offensive uh, research, development, testing, stockpiling of biological uh, weapons prior to Nixon. And in fact, uh, Seymour Hirsch, one of his first books, I believe, documented the state of that program prior to Nixon becoming a party to the uh, convention. And uh, at that point, we said we were complying uh, and proceeded to uh, comply, although it's known that the uh, CIA continued with uh, covert uh, programs all
0: along. So then would you say that President Nixon signed the Biological Weapons Convention because the United States and, I guess, the Soviet Union were way ahead with nuclear weapons and they simply didn't want other countries to get these cheaper types of uh, weapons.
2: That is correct. But, you know, as the late, great Saul Alinsky, the community organizer, once said, people always do the right thing for the wrong reasons, and there's nothing wrong with that. And in this case, uh, certainly it was very important, uh, I think, for the uh, United States government under Nixon and uh, Kissinger to uh, get out of this massive program on offensive biowarfare research development testing stockpiling that we did have, as documented by, uh, by Cy Hirsch in his uh, very authoritative book.
0: Now, how did the history of uh, bioweaponry production in the United States proceed under Bush Sr.?
2: Well, what happened was, uh, putting aside the covert CIA uh, programs, uh, pretty much the Pentagon got out of the business. In fact, uh, among professional military officers, there has always been uh, an aversion to biological and uh, chemical weapons. But unfortunately, there was maintained a CBW division there in the, uh, in the Pentagon, and it was pretty much brought back to life by the reagan administration under the reagan administration as you may recall he populated the uh, administration with large numbers of members of this uh, committee on present danger today we call them the neoconservatives but uh, wolfowitz bolton uh, all the rest of these people were put in power at the pentagon state department uh... so-called arms control that's what they call themselves uh... etc And their philosophy was that the United States government should exploit uh, all technology it possibly has in physics, uh, lasers, uh, biotechnology across the board to produce new generations of nuclear weapons, chemical weapons, and uh, biological weapons. For the uh, chemical weapons, this became the so-called binaries, and for uh, biological weapons, uh, DNA genetic uh, engineering. So the uh, Pentagon began to put massive amounts of money into research, development, uh, testing of its so called uh, biological defense research program, not only at the uh, U.S. government's own laboratories, but also in the uh, private sector, and basically going out and buying off large numbers of uh, so called life science researchers to get involved in uh, dual-use uh, research in um, DNA genetic engineering techniques that could be uh, put to offensive uh, purposes. So that was the state of play in the Reagan administration, just all out. And, and as you know, they were also doing this on offensive nuclear weapons, uh, the Star Wars program, the so-called uh, Peacekeeper, intermediate nuclear forces, et cetera. So everything across the board was being exploited and investigated pursuant to this uh, neocon Committee on Present Danger strategy. At that point, uh, I then proposed drafting the U.S. domestic implementing legislation for the Biological Weapons Convention to try to stop at least Uh, what they were doing domestically with these uh, offensive biowarfare programs that, my assessment, clearly violated the uh, Biological Weapons Convention of 1972. So working with the uh, Council for Responsible Genetics, headquartered in uh, Cambridge, Mass., with some of the top uh, life science researchers in the world, especially congregated around uh, Harvard and MIT, I did the draft legislation... For the uh, implementing legislation for the Biological Weapons Convention, and in particular to take into account DNA uh, genetic uh, engineering, and we proceeded to uh, lobby it through Congress. Uh, to make a long story short, the Reagan people fought it tooth and nail because they understood full well we were we were going after them. Uh, Bush Senior came to power. And uh, they took a very different uh, approach to the subject and uh, basically supported it. So at that point, my legislation uh, sailed through Congress. We had to repackage it as uh, legislation designed to go after crazy people out there in the third world. But the truth is, we were primarily concerned about going after the crazy people in the uh, Pentagon. And their so-called deaf scientists—I would call them—working uh, in the private sector in the United States uh, at universities, uh, trying to to do this uh, dual-use offensive, defensive biowarfare research. So my legislation uh, was approved unanimously by uh, both houses of Congress and signed into law by uh, President Bush, uh, Senior. And I, you know, I think you have to give him uh, credit for that. And so pretty much uh, this work died out. Now, we're not sure exactly what the CIA was doing or ever has been doing, but it appears the CIA sort of ceased and desist, too. Uh, and it stayed that way until the uh, Clinton administration in the uh, second term, where Clinton, uh, under the influence of his uh, secretary of the Navy, uh, Richard Danzig, used to be a law professor. Uh, I knew the guy, um, but in any event, uh, decided to get back into research, development, testing of uh, this dual-use offensive, defensive DNA genetic engineering, and then uh, after September 11th, uh, Bush simply, Bush Jr. simply uh, accelerated the program. Uh, as of today, you know, a minimum estimate is that we've spent under Bush Jr. maybe 40 billion dollars on uh, biowarfare work. Uh, large amounts of which, either violate the Biological Weapons Convention, or go directly up up to the line, if not cross it.
0: Now, Doctor Boyle, the legislation, the domestic legislation that you got through for the Council for Responsible Genetics, that was in when 1989.
2: That's correct. It was uh, it was signed by President Bush in 1990, and I did draft it. Uh, I had researched it. There was some. Um, prior U.S. legislation by uh, Congressman Rodino right after uh, Nixon had gotten the uh, Biological Weapons Convention, uh, but that hadn't gone anywhere, and then I also researched legislation in other states, implementing legislation, Australia, Britain, a few other states, and then uh, then I had to draft it to take into account DNA Genetic Engineering, which really was not around at the time of the BWC uh, itself and i did put in there uh... life imprisonment i'm against the uh... death penalty for any reason so i i didn't include that uh... that still survives in the legislation today it is uh... codified in the uh... united states uh... criminal code and there have been uh... two amendments since then i thought i had drafted the most comprehensive piece of legislation you could imagine but it turned out that uh... under the uh... reagan administration these neocons, the the Committee on Present Danger People, had been selling weapons-specific biological agents to Saddam Hussein in the hope and expectation that he was going to use it uh, against uh, Iran. And so uh, that was a loophole uh, that uh, I hadn't even thought about, that that they were going to do something like that. So there was another uh, amendment uh, added on to try to close that loophole uh, as well. But it does provide for life imprisonment for uh, uh, anyone violating the uh, BWC as interpreted and applied by the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989
0: that I drafted. Now, you mentioned that President Reagan was transferring bioweaponry to Saddam Hussein for use in the Iraq-Iran War. Did uh... george bush senior continue those transfers no as far as we could tell um... there were some transfers there were at least forty
2: transfers that uh... the reagan administration and his neocons such as wolfowitz and the rest of them uh... did authorize and they clearly violated the uh... biological weapons convention there might have been a few in the pipeline but eventually, I believe, to the best of my knowledge, President Bush, Senior, uh, did terminate those, and those those did stop. Uh, but there could have been a few of those shipments in the pipeline. Um, those shipments, you know, came, uh, which is terrible to say. Uh, the American Type uh, Culture Collection, which is a uh, scientific uh, research institute uh, nonprofit, it, it never occurred to me when I drafted this legislation that american-type culture would do something like that likewise the center for disease control uh... which is run by the united states government and is there for the purpose of protecting us all uh... that too sent uh... weapon-specific transfers to uh... to saddam hussein and again it had never occurred to me that the center for disease control would pervert itself and its mission by doing something like that but it did so again um... My act did have to be amended later on to try to rein in these rogue institutions, whether uh, private sector or uh, governmental sector like the CDC. And I I should add, I I don't think we can trust the CDC uh, anymore on anything after they, uh, they did this.
0: I'm speaking with international law professor and author Francis Boyle. Today's show biowarfare, and the emergence of police state America. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Could you talk then about the forced administration of anthrax vaccine to American military personnel and smallpox vaccine to health workers when uh, George Sr. went to war with Iraq?
2: Yes. Um, at the time... I had no idea why they were doing this, but later it came out the reason they were doing it was that they knew full well that the Reagan administration, in which uh, Bush Sr. and many of these, uh, some of these others served, had provided weapon-specific biological agents to Saddam Hussein. With the hope and expectation that he was going to weaponize them and use them uh, against Iran. Now, the problem with these uh, forced uh, inoculations, we had argued this. I had argued this for the first time ever in the uh, court martial of Captain Doctor Yolanda Hewitt Wong, very courageous woman, who refused to serve in Gulf War One in part for the reason that she did not want to administer these experimental medical vaccines on uh, anthrax and uh, botulin uh, toxins to U.S. military personnel pursuant to the order by uh, Bush, Senior and Cheney, who was uh, Secretary of Defense at that time. And her position was that uh, this violated the Nuremberg Code on Medical Experimentation, which was correct, and also the uh, a uh, Hippocratic oath applicable to doctors uh, do no harm. And uh, during her court-martial proceedings, her Article 32 hearing, I did argue this point, uh, and it, it did go out nationwide. I accused Bush Sr., Cheney, Powell, Schwarzkopf of committing a Nuremberg crime uh, on our own troops. And then later, uh, Senator Jay Rockefeller held hearings on this matter, and he, too, accused these officials, these Bush senior officials, of perpetrating a Nuremberg crime on our own troops. And this later led, in part, to the Gulf War Syndrome, which, as you know, the Pentagon still denies uh, it exists. There are other factors, of course, involved in the Gulf War Syndrome. Uh, depleted uranium, which is clearly illegal and its use, uh, a war crime. There was massive uh, contamination and pollution and, and other factors at work. Although, uh, interestingly enough, with respect to the Gulf War Syndrome, uh, France refused to have its soldiers vaccinated. Uh, they had been through this once before in uh, the Vietnam War, and uh, there have been few, very few reports of Gulf War Syndrome for French troops that did serve in uh, uh, Gulf War One. But the British troops were inoculated and they've come down with Gulf War syndrome. As you know, U.S. troops were uh, inoculated too. Uh, over 10,000 members of U.S. armed forces that served in uh, uh, Gulf War One have now died, and large numbers of them have reported the, uh, the syndrome. And we can't break down precisely, you know, what's attributable to the vaccines, what's attributable to the depleted uranium. What is uh, attributable to bombing munitions factories over in Iraq with chemical and uh, biological weapons that spewed into the environment and contaminated our own troops? How much is uh, attributable to uh, pollution uh, on the scene? And indeed, the Pentagon, before Gulf War One had developed a computer model of what the environmental contamination would be if they went to war against against Iraq with their bombing campaign and the rest of it, and they did it anyway. So it, it's a terrible uh, situation. If you are interested more on that, there is a book by Rick Anderson, Homefront, The uh, U.S. Government's War on Soldiers, Clarity Press, and uh, I wrote the uh, foreword uh, to that book. So there's more on Gulf War syndrome and, and the governmental denial and things of this nature. But it's all tied in there, and we first litigated this point for Captain Dr. Yolanda Hewitt Vaughan, even before we knew there was such a thing as a Gulf War syndrome. In addition, I also served as a consultant to the independent television network in Britain, TV4, on their documentary, The Dirty War. And that came out, I believe, in uh, March or so of uh, 1994. Uh, first documenting the Gulf War Syndrome for uh, British troops, and we dealt with the uh, depleted uranium, the experimental uh, medical vaccines in violation of the Nuremberg Code on medical experimentation, and the uh, uh, pollution and environmental uh, contaminants, and I'm in there together with my uh, my former client, Captain Dr. Yolanda Hewitt Vaughan. So those were early attempts to come to grips with, uh, with Gulf War Syndrome, And unfortunately, uh, the war going on now, we're going to have a repeat uh, for U.S. soldiers currently serving in uh, Gulf War II uh, under under Bush Jr. You know, the uh, anthrax vaccines are still given. To the best of my knowledge, they're giving the uh, botulin vaccines. They've all been forced to take uh, smallpox vaccines. They're still using depleted uranium. Some troops have already come back from Iraq and have tested uh, positive for uranium in their uh, in their urine, so I'm afraid we're in for uh, a second round of uh, uh, Gulf War syndrome on the, the current Gulf War, and of course the Pentagon will still lie, deny, and uh, and cover up as they did on uh, Agent Orange in uh, the Vietnam War.
0: Let's fast forward then to the Bush Jr. administration and BioShield and the biowarfare initiatives. And then most specifically, I want to talk about the events of September eleventh, two 2001, and the anthrax attacks on Congress. Now, did Bush Jr. step up the uh, research and experimentation in biowarfare?
2: Yes. As as a matter of fact, uh, when Bush Jr. came to power. Instead of going back and getting many of the Bush senior advisors, who, generally speaking, I think were against biological weapons, Bush Jr. reached back to the Reagan administration and brought back to power all the neocons in the Reagan administration who were in favor, again, of exploiting the U.S. technological lead on nuclear weapons and uh, biological weapons, as well as uh, chemical weapons. And so, for example, you had them junk the uh, anti-ballistic missile uh, system treaty, which again goes back to uh, Nixon and uh, Kissinger. We're not talking about liberal Democrats here. And uh, proceeded immediately then to pull the plug, the Bush Jr. people on the negotiation of the verification protocol for the Biological Weapons Convention. When it was originally drafted, there was no uh, verification protocol for the BWC. Uh, Starting with Clinton, negotiations had commenced, and they really were at a concluding point when, in the summer of 2001, the uh, Bush Jr. delegate went in there and just said, we're against any verification protocol. And they came up with a uh, cock and bull theory about why they were against it. But the truth was they fully planned to uh, get into research development testing of biological weapons, again, using U.S. scientific uh, superiority, not only on uh, DNA genetic engineering, but also now so-called synthetic uh, biology. So if you're going to do this, you don't want a verification protocol to figure out what you're going to do. So they proceeded to junk the uh, verification protocol in the summer of 2001. And then they used the uh, anthrax attacks on uh, Congress after September 11th to literally justify, you know, since then, about $40 billion if you add up all the different divisions of the government on biowarfare and chemical warfare uh, research. We're spending as much now on this uh, reprehensible type of uh, death science, I would call it, as uh, we did when uh, prior to Nixon when we had an offensive program. Indeed, we're spending as much now on uh, biowarfare research in constant dollars as we did on the uh, Manhattan Project during World War II to develop the nuclear bomb, uh, so that's that's where we stand now.
0: Dr. Boyle, could you speak to the specific strain of anthrax that was used on the Democratic leadership in Congress after September 11th, 2001? That is, uh, for Tom Daschle and Patrick Leahy, received in letters this. Ames strain. I believe it's called anthrax. Could you talk about where that anthrax came from?
2: Well, yes. What happened was uh, when the anthrax attacks occurred, it was not clear to me precisely what was going on until the New York Times published the technology behind the Dashiell, uh letter. And that was a trillion spores per gram and it had a special uh, electrostatic uh, treatment, so it basically float in air. And it was clear then that this was a uh, uh, super weapons-grade anthrax that no one would have the uh, capability of doing except uh, a government program, and here in the United States that would mean either the, uh, the Pentagon or the CIA or both. And it was also clear by that time that the uh, book Germs had come out by the uh, reporters for the New York Times, indicating that the CIA had gotten involved in this type of research before. So at that point, I called up uh, Marion Spike Bowman, who was a very high level FBI official in Washington, D.C., doing terrorism and uh, counterterrorism work for the FBI. And he knew of my work on uh, biological weapons. And I told Mr. Bowman that, uh, in my opinion, this could only have come from a U.S. lab, weapons lab. It was super, super grade weaponized uh, anthrax and had to have been produced by someone with access to a a U.S. lab, probably in one of these uh, moon suits you've seen on, uh, you know, films and things of that nature and i explained to him my my conclusions and uh... you know he said he'd take it down and forward it to the appropriate people then i called him a second time and i said in fact uh... i have here a listing of all individuals involved in anthrax uh... research for the united states government uh, up until nineteen eighty nine as well as all the labs. And at that point, it was a matter of public record. And I said, you know, it seems to me that the culprit here is one of these individuals or and or the labs. And uh, you can get an update on these contracts from the Pentagon. And also the CIA uh, is involved in this now because of the um, book that just came out, Germs. And you could probably find out from the CIA, who is involved in doing this type of work. So it's a very narrow list of uh, of people that you're uh, dealing with. So Bowman said, well, actually we're working with uh, the people at Fort Detrick on this. And I said, well, Fort Detrick very well could be the problem here, that you could have uh, someone at Fort Detrick who did this, or you know, someone who had worked at Fort Detrick and was no longer working there but had access and was doing it. As I put it, it could be someone like a Timothy McVeigh character who was once on the reservation is uh, now off the reservation. So, um, you know, Bowman said, well, I'll forward it on to the appropriate people. Shortly thereafter, of course, what happened was the FBI authorized the destruction of the U.S. government's uh, anthrax collection at Ames, Iowa. And uh, there's a government lab there at uh, Ames, Iowa. And uh, it was Ames-trained anthrax that later was determined to be the culprit behind the uh, Leahy and, uh, and Dashiell uh, letters. So at that point, it just seemed to me there is no way that that uh, culture collection at Ames should have been destroyed. It should have been preserved by the FBI as uh, uh, part of an ongoing uh, criminal investigation. It was critically sensitive and important evidence, and they destroyed it. Now, I did not specifically tell them to preserve the Ames strain anthrax at the Ames collection in Ames, Iowa, but it was very clear that that's where all the uh, U.S. anthrax, weaponized anthrax, went back to, and they authorized its uh, its destruction. So, at that point, it just seemed to me that uh, uh, the FBI was covering up here. Uh, probably because they knew that the uh, Daschle and Leahy letters went back to an illegal and criminal U.S. uh, weapons-grade anthrax program, either run by the uh, Pentagon or the CIA uh, or both. And again, we're not sure uh, where. And then later on, it came out in the uh, Griffith book on uh, 9-11 that uh, Marion Spike Bowman, was also the same high-level FBI agent uh, who sabotaged the request for a FISA warrant into the Musawi computer up in Minnesota. As you know, you had uh, FBI agent uh, Rowley there uh, trying very hard to uh, get a FISA warrant to access Musawi's computer. And this was before September 11th. and it turned out, according to the Griffith book, it was Bowman who uh, sabotaged that FISA warrant that could have prevented the uh, attack on, on September 11th. Later on, Bowman was uh, given a promotion and a decoration for, uh, for his uh, services. So, you, you know, you figure out what was uh, going on there. Uh, since that time, uh, the FBI has not engaged in any investigation, realistically speaking. Uh, in fact, they've perversely gone out and tried to sign up as many uh, reputable life scientists as they can as part of this investigation, and then made them promise to maintain their silence, that they can't really talk about it. And so uh, many, many legitimate life scientists who I think believe they are trying to help out in good faith uh, are uh, are silenced. So um, this uh, led Senator uh, Grassley, what, just a few weeks ago, to say he didn't think... Uh, this crime would uh, ever ever be solved, and certainly it's not going to be solved by the uh, FBI. What we really need is Senator Leahy, certainly now the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and, and they tried to kill Leahy, uh, to have open public hearings and uh, call in FBI, CIA, and uh, subpoena them, uh, put them on their oath, and start to ask them questions. But I, I can't say I'm uh, terribly uh, optimistic uh, this is going to happen, so that's where we stand. And the terrible thing about the anthrax attack uh, on Congress, as you know, uh, Daschle and Leahy were holding up the passage of the USA uh, Patriot Act, which basically sets up a uh, police state here in America. And we know for a fact that USA Patriot Act, the draft done by Viet uh, Din, one of these Federalist Society lawyers now teaching at Georgetown uh, Law School, was sitting on Ashcroft's desk as of September 10, And we also know that Ashcroft, uh, starting in the late summer of uh, 2001, had been advised not to take uh, commercial aircraft, so he was flying around on uh, private uh, jet aircraft. So once these anthrax uh, attacks occurred, all of a sudden the uh, Patriot Act uh, goes through Congress. And uh, then... When the renewal of the Patriot Act came up uh, last year, uh, again, it was being held up. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, some white powder uh, appears at one of the uh, Senate office buildings. There's an anthrax scare. And the next day, the USA Patriot Act uh, is is renewed. So there is uh, a pattern here at work, uh, I think, that, that we can detect and watch and follow. So we need, uh, we need an investigation. But again, um, I'm afraid we're not going to get it.
0: I'm speaking with international law professor and author Francis Boyle. Today's show, warfare and the Emergence of Police State America. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. So the Ames Culture Collection was destroyed by the FBI.
2: They authorized the destruction. They did not destroy it itself, but they told the Ames people to go ahead and destroy it.
0: Yes, and then FBI Mr. Bowman is given an exceptional performance award by the FBI. Senator Daschle and Senator Leahy who were holding up the Patriot Act legislation, they were the ones that received the anthrax letters. Now, I would think that Congress would be holding an investigation into an attack on itself that, after September 11th, shut down all of Congress.
2: Uh, that That is correct. You know, as I pointed out in my book, this was the most serious political crime in the history of the United States of America. Shutting down uh down Congress, you know even in the civil war they weren 't in session it wasn 't shut down, but they came back and There is no investigation going on that I'm aware of, and just recently uh Senator Grassley uh, said he doesn't believe uh, this political crime will uh, ever be resolved. meanwhile the u s a Patriot Act uh, has been uh, renewed, and we're seeing all the police state Gestapo tactics that the uh, Bush administration is currently engaged in and getting away with and uh, not being checked at all by Congress. And here I speak from uh, personal experience. In the summer of 2004, agents from the FBI and the CIA Joint Terrorist Task Force uh, showed up here at my office unannounced, proceeded to interrogate me for one hour tried to get me to become an informant on my Arab and Muslim clients, which would have uh, violated their constitutional rights and my ethical obligations as an attorney. So I refused to become an informant, and they put me on all of the United States government's terrorist watch lists. According to my lawyer, there are maybe five or six of them, and as far as he could figure out, I'm on all of them, every one of them. Uh, To give you an example, so last year I was uh, flying in from uh, a lecture in Malaysia. I landed at uh, Chicago O'Hare Airport, and as I was getting off the plane, standing there right on the jet port were two armed uh, customs agents inspecting passports, and they got my passport. They immediately took me uh, into custody, and uh, one of them said, well, we're looking for— someone who is listed on the terrorist watch list with your name, but it isn't you. Well, how many Francis Anthony Boyles are there in the United States of America at all, uh, let alone flying into uh, Chicago O'Hare Airport? So uh, that sort of gives you an idea, I think, that when I talk about police-state Gestapo-type tactics, it is going on today.
0: Yes, it's going on as we speak. What do you as an attorney, of course, they've passed all of these laws, the military commissions act, etc. What do you think the likelihood is of martial law in the United States?
2: I think we're very close. Um, you know, it, it's only a terrorist attack away. Everything is there, it's all in place. So, um, they even have a list. I believe the FBI has a list. Uh, the summer of 2004, the part of the dragnet I was involved in, was about 5,000 high priority uh, Arabs and Muslims and their supporters, including uh, aliens and U.S. citizens. And so I believe uh, that'll be the first list to go. Those uh, those 5,000.
0: So if we are only a terrorist attack away from possible martial law here in the United States, it is very worrisome. Yes, I, it seems clear
2: to me, certainly that we have to ask ourselves, what's the next step? As for the uh, anthrax attack, uh, I believe that you know that was deliberately orchestrated uh, by either the Pentagon or the CIA, or both acting uh, together. Uh, yes.
0: Now, in terms of the continuing production of biologicals and the the, uh, genetic modification of uh, biologicals, the aerosolization of them, which basically turns them into a weapon because these uh, biological weapons are delivered uh, by air, as you point out, in your book. Now, this is proliferating all over the United States, isn't it? At universities, at private labs... Yes,
2: this is uh, extremely dangerous. And indeed, I would encourage you all to go back and read uh, Cy Hirsch's uh, 1969 uh, book on the offensive U.S. uh, biological uh, weapons program in existence at that time, because basically we're reconstructing the entire thing today uh, as we speak. And what you have now with these massive quantities uh, of money are uh, deaf scientists in the private sector uh, proliferating this this extremely dangerous technology uh, into the hands of what can only say uh, irresponsible people and oftentimes uh, third- and fourth-rate scientists uh, who can't get legitimate funds from the NSF or the NIH or something like that. Um, and it's going on all over the country. They're constructing... Uh, Biosafety Lab uh, 3 and 4 labs uh, all over the country. And they are using these exotic uh, viruses. Uh, There was already an accident uh, earlier this week at the uh, uh, BU, Boston University BSL-3 lab uh, that has uh, anthrax in there, and there was a fire. So what we're seeing then is uh, proliferation of the technology, of the scientists, and the uh, facilities all over this country, in Canada, and indeed abroad, we're, we're paying for this type of research, development, testing in other countries as well that are not even uh, subject to minimal observation and uh, restraints that do exist here in the United States on uh, scientific research. Here at the University of Illinois, under the uh, uh, Reagan administration, we had the entire vet med program uh, pretty much on the take from the uh, Pentagon to develop a uh, blue-green algae toxin weapon and a mycotoxin uh, weapon. I got the contracts and and blew the whistle. And it turned out that the uh, head of the uh, Pentagon's uh, biowarfare program at the time, a guy named Huxlow was a graduate of the vet med program, and the uh, cover-up was written. We have the uh, uh, U.S. Army's uh, computer engineering uh, research laboratory here on campus, and they wrote the the cover-up. So this is going on, and I've read these contracts, extremely dangerous, and uh, as I said, uh, third- and fourth-rate scientific uh, researchers, no adequate supervision at all. Indeed, uh, these... uh, Committees at universities uh, set up for oversight and approval are worthless. That's what I found out here at the University of Illinois. I'm sure they're no different anywhere else. Uh, we had a uh, a uh, debate on this issue, and the university uh, sent someone in to admit that they got 51 cents out of every dollar on so-called uh, overhead. So obviously they're complicit in all this, and they're not going to uh, shut down these types of uh, dangerous, if not illegal, contracts when they're making money off of them. So it's sort of like the Wild West out there now. There's no regulation, there's no supervision, and you have uh, scientists with with minimal ethical training or concern, and uh, even those who do are being bought off because of the massive amounts of money. For example, the uh, National uh, Institutes of Health is seeing so much of their research now being diverted into biowarfare work. Uh, Prior to that, I think everyone had looked at the uh, NIH as uh, a rock-solid basis of support for research to maintain the nation's health. But now, legitimate research is being starved. I spoke with a uh, first-rate professor of biology here on uh, campus, and uh, he told me that now... There's a one in 11 chance of uh, him getting his contract funded by NIH. Uh, everything's being moved over into this uh, uh, highly dubious, if not uh, outright illegal, biowarfare work. And most agencies and instrumentalities of the United States government are on board and have been bought off.
0: I'm speaking with international law professor and author Francis Boyle. Today's show. Biowarfare and the Emergence of Police State America. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Now, as you've pointed out in your book, and today, a lot of these biological warfare programs are illegal and criminal. And you've also mentioned that there were five Level 3 biowarfare labs in New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina hit. And we all know about the government's non-response there, or their uh, prevention of help in New Orleans. You've written that we must defend ourselves against their criminality and irresponsibility with impeachment. Could you talk about impeachment?
2: Well, sure. But let me first say on the uh, bio-warfare work, uh, I think citizens living in communities where the government is trying to put in biowarfare research development and facilities have to mobilize and organize to stop it. There is a requirement that they have to do an environmental impact statement on any of these facilities. And if they don't, you can sue to get one and inform yourself about what's going on and organize it against it. Because otherwise, you're going to have one of these facilities right there, And uh, either something could leak out by mistake or some person could maliciously use the type of work that is going on there. So it has to be stopped on a state and local and community basis, everyone getting uh, together. That's why I wrote this book, so that ordinary citizens can read it, understand the threat, and what they can do about it. And what we have to understand to begin with is... The law is all on our side. We have the Biological Weapons Convention, and we have the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989 that I drafted, providing for life imprisonment. So those are two very powerful pieces of law that people can use to try to stop this heinous death science uh, research and to keep it out of their communities. And they're going to have to do it themselves. Everywhere all over the country to try to stop it. Inform yourself who's doing this, how much are they getting, what do these contracts say, what do they mean, and then proceed to organize to uh, stop them. As for the bigger problem, yes, back in uh, October of uh, 2002, uh, I set up a uh, national campaign to impeach Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, and uh, Ashcroft uh, at that time. And on uh, 13 March uh, 2003, Congressman John Conyers, now the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, with supervisory jurisdiction over any bill of impeachment, had an emergency debate among 40 to 50 of his top advisors, most of whom were lawyers, on putting in uh, draft bills of impeachment immediately against Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, and Ashcroft to try to head off "Go for two. And I had drafted a a bill towards that end. And my colleague and friend, uh, Ramsey Clark, had also uh, drafted a bill. I think he began working on that in uh, January of 2003. So Congressman Conyers uh, invited Ramsey and me to come in and argue the uh, case for impeachment and putting these bills in. To make a long story short, it was a two-hour debate. It was quite vigorous. Uh, You can read about it in my book, Destroying uh, World Order. But what happened was no one there really disagreed with Ramsey and me that Bush and the rest of them richly deserved impeachment. But what happened was John Podesta, who had been uh, Clinton's chief of staff, appeared and in the name of the Democratic National Committee stated that the DNC was against uh, putting these bills in uh, because it might harm their presidential election prospects in 2004. Now, that was a shocking uh, statement for Podesta to make and for the DNC to, to be taking. Here we were confronting a war, and they were worried about the 2004 election. Now, I'm a political independent, so I didn't argue that point one way or the other. Um, but Ramsey's a lifelong Democrat, and he argued... That uh, putting in these bills of impeachment immediately might help the Democrats, and it certainly wasn't going to hurt them. Well, of course, as we know, what happened in uh, 2004. But on the way uh, when the session adjourned, because the Podessa position prevailed, I, I was walking out with Ramsey to, to get our cabs back home, and I said, You know, Ramsey, I don't understand it. Uh, Their arguments make no sense. Why didn't they take me up on my offer to stay here and polish up our bills of impeachment and put him in immediately and try to head this war off? And Ramsey said to me in his laconic style, I think most of the people there support a war. So what we have to understand is that the leadership of the Democratic Party has been complicit and supported the Bush War against Iraq from the very beginning, and indeed, we have that uh, today itself, where the US House of Representatives, uh, under the leadership of Pelosi, uh, just voted over 100 billion dollars for more war. They make all these spurious claims about how this is going to get us out uh, of Iraq, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. It's all baloney. They just voted hundred billion dollars more for this war. All they had to do was do nothing. And Bush would have run out of money to fund his surge and to continue to fund this war. So despite the smoke and mirrors by the leadership of the Democratic Party, it's clear that they are fully on board. The DNC fully supports the war against Iraq. That was clear, made clear to Ramsey and me on 13 March 2003, and nothing has changed.
0: Now that the Democrats have taken over both houses of Congress, I guess the Senate too, although that's sort of hanging by a thread, uh, John Conyers and Nancy Pelosi say that impeachment is off the table.
2: That's correct. And uh, I think, uh, I can't speak for Congressman Conyers, but I don't think that's his decision. I think it's Pelosi's decision, and it's the decision of the Democratic National uh, Committee, as made clear to us by Podesta back in 2003, uh, without that enormous pressure by the DNC, this would have been done. Uh, likewise, Congressman Lewis, who just voted against today this $100 billion for more war of Georgia African-American, uh, he called for Bush's uh, impeachment. He was then invited to go on the Hannity Combs show. Uh, Susan Estrich uh, from the West Coast Southern Cal Law School, Uh, a big honcho on the DNC, was sitting in for uh, Combs, and she literally proceeded uh, to beat up and savage Congressman Lewis on his proposal that uh, Bush should be impeached. So the problem here, in my assessment, is the the leadership of the Democratic Party. They're still on board for this war against Iraq, and they've also made it clear uh, they will support a war against Iran which, if we don't stop this, a Bush attack on Iran could readily set off World War III. So it's a very dangerous situation that confronts us at this time.
0: Yes, I was just about to ask you about Iran, because it does seem like there is democratic support for such a thing.
2: That's correct. Or uh, they're clearly trying to provoke an incident right now in the Persian Gulf as we speak. These uh, 15 British uh, sailors... Who knows what they were doing? And we have two aircraft carrier task forces uh, over there right now, and they're uh, scheduled to be so-called relieved in uh, April, which means that there'll be two more rotating in, and you'll have four aircraft carrier task forces there. So they're clearly trying to provoke a conflict uh, with Iran. So that, again, is what, what confronts us, yes.
0: So to sum up, then, with regard to these biowarfare labs, there are chapters in your biowarfare and terrorism book that help people fight these uh, labs. That's
2: correct. That, toward the end of the book, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer, I'm a law professor, last 30 years now, and so I tried to give advice to common, ordinary, everyday citizens about what they can do to try to stop these biowarfare labs and facilities and contracts, and to go after these deaf scientists who are doing this type of illegal and uh, criminal research. But it's really up to you to inform yourself. Here, for example, I found out about our uh, biowarfare programs at the U of I and submitted a Freedom of Information Act request under the Illinois Freedom of Information Act. My guess is you probably have one out there in uh, California and found out about these contracts, got a hold of the contracts, found out what was going on, blew the whistle, and uh, you know we were able to, to nip these things in the bud. So you have to stop them now before they get entrenched, before you end up with a BSL-3 or BSL-4 lab there in your neighborhood and 15, 20 so-called death scientists researching Ebola down the street. Because if you don't act now, that's exactly what you're going to have. And most of these scientists are completely unscrupulous. The respect we have for scientists, in my opinion, certainly dealing with um, the biological sciences, is completely uh, unwarranted. Most of them just go for the highest bidder, a buck, and uh, don't care about the uh, ethics. They've been brainwashed in their science programs to believe that science is neutral, and uh, therefore it doesn't matter what you do with it. I was at the University of Chicago. I started as a math major and then went into population biology. I've been through the same type of uh, brainwashing myself. There's nothing neutral about science, nothing at all. And we cannot treat any of these scientists as if uh, somehow they're priests or uh, ministers above reproach. We have to hold them accountable. And that's exactly why I drafted the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act and put life imprisonment in there to make it clear to all of these deaf scientists that they had better think very carefully about getting involved in any of this type of work. So the book is set up to be used, because um, the Bush people are putting billions and billions of dollars in this, and the scientists are more than happy to be bought off and get involved.
0: Francis Boyle, thank you very much.
2: Well again, thank you for uh, having me on and I, I hope that book can be put to uh, good use to stop this. Something happening Yeah, yeah. yeah. What it is ain't
0: exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. I've been speaking with international law professor Dr. Francis Boyle. Today's show has been Biowarfare and the Emergence of Police State America. Francis Boyle is professor of international law at the University of Illinois-Champaign. He holds a doctor of law and a PhD in political science from Harvard. He was responsible for drafting the Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989, the American implementing legislation for the 1972 Biological Weapons Convention. He is author of Destroying World Order. U.S. Imperialism in the Middle East, before and after September 11th, and Bio-Warfare and Terrorism, among many other books. On October 7, 2002, Dr. Boyle launched a national campaign to impeach Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, and Ashcroft for high crimes and misdemeanors. Today's show was co-produced by Todd Fletcher. Guns and Butter is edited and produced by Bonnie Faulkner and Yara Mako. To leave comments or order copies of the show, call 510-848-6767, extension 628. Email us at faulkner at gunsandbutter.net or visit our website at www.gunsandbutter.net. Hey, yo, these are
1: some serious times that we live in G, and our new world order is about to begin. You know what I'm saying? now a question. Are you ready for the real revolution, which is the evolution of the mind? If you seek, then you shall find that we all come from the divine. You dig what I'm saying? Now if you take heed to the words of wisdom that are written on the walls of life, then universally we will stand and divided we will fall, because love conquers all. You understand what I'm saying? This is a call for all you sleeping souls. Wake up and take control of your own with a spirit snake trying to steal your life You know what I'm saying? Look what inside yourself for peace, give thanks, live light and release. You dig me?